Hey guys, welcome back to the Chatterseed Podcast. This is a father-daughter podcast where I, Ryan, and my dad hey. talk about movies. Today's movie is The Birth of a Nation. Um, this movie, I'm not really comfortable talking about that much because it's a lot about, like, slavery and the Civil War and, like, just racism in general. And it's, like, definitely from, like, the whites' views of things, like, and so, I don't know, it just makes me uncomfortable to talk about, like, racism and stuff, because I think it's, um, and slavery, because I think it's horrible, and it just makes me sick that, like, people would be like that. Like, even in, I'm a junior in high school now, and in eighth grade, even, when we were in our U.S. history and talking about slavery, and my teacher put on videos in class, I couldn't watch them, um, because I just thought it was so horrible, and I couldn't stand it. Like, I would burst into tears, so I had to do different assignments um from like the textbook in another room while my class watched the videos because I don't know I just don't like talking about this stuff and I don't want to like offend anyone by accident and I just it makes me uncomfortable to talk about so you know I'll talk about the little romance there is finally but dad will mostly I think take the reins on this one yeah it's it's a tough subject certainly it's a hot button topic this summer the summer of 2020 <laughs> my goodness there's been protests uh nationwide about race issues and this movie is just um incendiary I, I sort of wish everyone in the country could see this movie right now because it might open some eyes mm-hmm. as to the genesis of some of our current problems um we can get into that in a minute, but yeah, it's a you know tough subject matter. But the story is, I think somebody one of some film critic said of this movie, the worst thing about it uh, is that it's such a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> because the it's the message is horrible <laughs> and it's terrible. But the way it's made and like just the story, it's it's a good movie. It just sucks at the same time. And as in what's it about? Okay, well, obviously, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I'll just, I don't know. So, basically, I'll tell the romance part, I guess. So this movie, it opens with um, two, two guys who are, like, best friends, um, and they met at boarding school, and one of them comes to visit the other. I think Phil, or, yeah, Phil goes to visit Ben, and... Yeah, so there's two families. Yeah. His family is... Phil's family is from Washington, D.C. because his dad is a congressman. They're the Stonemans. Yeah. And then Ben is... Um, They're from South Carolina. His dad yeah. owns a plantation uh, and owns a bunch of slaves. And they're the Camerons. And keep in mind, Phil has a younger sister named Elsie, and Ben has a younger sister named Margaret. Anyway, so Phil goes to visit Ben, and um, he falls in love with Margaret. You know, love for Ben's sight. sister. Yes, right. Ben's sister. And, um, it starts with them, and, you know, while he's, while Phil is visiting, they take him through, like, one of their plantations, and, um, Ben, or Phil shows Ben a picture of his sister that he keeps in his pocket, his sister Elsie, and Ben falls in love with the picture, and, like, steals the picture, and he's never even met the girl, but he's already, like, I love her, whatever, and it's very funny, and then, eventually, Phil has to go back home, of course, and then Ben and Phil go to the Civil War, and they're on opposite sides, and so that causes some tension when it ends between Margaret and Phil, 
because Margaret liked Phil, but he was fighting on the opposite side of her brothers, two of whom died, and Elsie lost one of her brothers. So everyone lost some brothers, and it was really sad. And um, just the rest of the movie is kind of, like, like about, like, you know, racism, obviously, but, like, Phil finally winning Margaret back by saving her father when her father was um, killed because Ben... Arrested. Arrested, not killed, sorry. Um, no, Ben... Okay, I should give context. Ben starts... Or, so Ben and Elsie eventually meet because Elsie was a nurse at the war and Ben, you know, got hurt. And so they fell in love that way. And then um, Ben eventually starts the dreaded KKK. And so um, once Elsie finds out, she's like, oh, I don't like you. Like, that's not okay. And um, they f- the police find the KKK uniforms in Dr. Cameron, Ben and Margaret's dad's home. And so he gets arrested. So Phil comes to the rescue by killing the cop or whatever um, to save Dr. Cameron. And so Margaret, you know, Margaret falls in love with him again. And then they, so Phil, Margaret, Dr. Cameron, and a couple of um, their slaves went into hiding with some people in the middle of the woods. And... Um, a bunch of police and stuff came after him to kill him, but in in came Ben, um, because he was at the KKK, so he saved them, and then meanwhile, Elsie is being attacked, well, yeah, attacked by, um, a congressman, I think. The lieutenant governor the lieutenant of South governor. Carolina, Silas Lynch. Silas Lynch. Yeah. The characters now. Yeah, and he is, you know, trying to force her to marry him. And so Ben comes and saves her. So she falls in love with him again, even though he's a member of the KKK. And they all get married and live happily ever after. Yeah. And that's the romance. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, so the the romance. This is a three hour and 15 minute that's epic. So long. It's, it's from 1915, so it's 105 years old. It's black and white. It's a silent movie. We almost watched it without music. <laughs> yeah. We found a version that had the score. By the way, that was one of the innovations uh, sort of of the craft for this movie. It was, I think, the first movie that they, the, they conf- composed a score for orchestra for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we found one with the music. Thank goodness. If it had been completely silent, I don't know if I could have lasted. <laughs> the music just adds to it, you know? <laughs> like, the music foreshadows things. It tells you things. So, yeah. Yeah. It, there were some other sort of artistic developments, things that advanced the art. Um, this So the, the movie was directed by a man named D.W. Griffith, mm-hmm. and he used, sort of pioneered a bunch of techniques like the dramatic close-up and fade-ins and fade-outs. Mm-hmm. You saw a lot of those in this movie. Um, and he had, it, it was extraordinary, the battle scenes that they orchestrated oh, yeah, for this movie. Oh, yeah, the special movie. effects were good. Yeah, they had big pyrotechnic explosions, and they had just all these, like, it looked like thousands of soldiers. It was hundreds of extras, but the way that they staged the shots, it looked like thousands, and that was another 
thing that he sort of pioneered. But it would the scale of this movie yeah. is epic. <laughs> he kept talking throughout the whole thing about the special effects for the explosions. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And it was really successful. At the box office, this was the top-grossing movie of all time until 1939, another movie about the Civil War and Reconstruction, Gone with the Wind, uh, replaced it as the top-grossing movie. That was a long movie. Yeah, that also was another is long movie. Is it on movie. our list? Yeah, I think, I think it is. We'll have to see. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll pay more attention this time. It's not silent, so. And there's a, there's a very dramatic woman in it, so. Yes. Remember that part. Yes. <laughs> Reminds me of someone I know. Oh, yes. I wonder who. And didn't you say it had, like, the first, it was the first movie ever to have a sequel? Yes, it was the first movie ever to have the sequel. The sequel was called The Fall of a Nation. It was sort of a call to arms for World War One, I, I think, about something happening in Europe, which was not as interesting to people domestically, and so it wasn't nearly as successful domestically, though it was well-received abroad. Wait, okay, I'm going to sound really stupid right now, and I'm in world history. Did the Civil War come before the World Wars? Yes. Okay. So the Civil War was... I can't remember. Just too many wars, guys. <laughs> too many. The Civil War was in the 1860s. Okay. And then the... Um, World War was World like, War One. Yeah, World War One was in the 19-teens, right? And then Like, World there was War a II? big movie about it this year, this last year that came out called 1917. was about World oh, yeah. War One, And then World War Two was in the 1940s. Oh. That is not that long ago. When you think about the actual dates, like, everyone makes it the war, like, World War Two or whatever seems so long ago, but it really wasn't. Well, and you think about when this movie was made. This movie was made as World War One was developing in 1915. That was only 50 years after the Civil War had ended in 1965. So much war. How many years has it been since World War Two? 70 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean... We're due. We're due. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. We don't want that again. Well, that was not wood. Yeah, I totally um, heard that. <laughs> it's fine. I found wood. Okay. So, this movie um, has these elements that you like of romance, right? Yes. Even if, um, in the end, it's not that great. Yeah, because... So, so, the message is, right? Like, the happy ending. So, this is nuts. What happens is, you have the Civil War, and... In the Civil War, all of these, uh, basically, white people are in charge. Yeah. And then after the Civil War, they, and this, there, there are a lot of elements, true events from history that are uh, incorporated into this story, which is fictional, but yeah. it's, you know, a, a historic, historic fiction. Well, just real quick, one thing that I found interesting about this movie was, because, you know, again, in my eighth grade history class, like, we touched a little bit on the KKK and, like, everything that, like, we learned about it or whatever. Like, the pictures that my friends would show me on their computers or whatever, like, totally terrified me. But this movie puts a whole different view on them. I mean, I still think that, you know, they're terrifying and bad news. But, like, this movie was very clearly, like, propaganda or some sort. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Yeah, no, it is propaganda. Absolutely. For us, or not like us, but, like, I don't know. For our country. Yes. Because we've watched a bunch of propaganda from other countries. We've watched Battleship Potemkin in Russia. Ballad of a Soldier. Ballad of a Soldier was more state propaganda. And this was the first movie ever 
to screen in the White House. Mm -hmm. Because the movie was based on a book by a man named Thomas Dixon called The Klansman. Yeah. And Thomas Dixon... And a play. Yeah, and a play. And the guy who wrote them uh, was buddies from graduate school with Woodrow Wilson, who was president of the United States. So they screened the movie at the White House for the president. Didn't he admit that he had been a part of the KKK? That's the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So they screened it for the president, who, by the way, is quoted as approving of the KKK in the movie. Oh my goodness. And then they, they screened it for all of the justices of the Supreme Court, and the uh, justice, Chief Justice said that he had been raised in the South and had been in the KKK, as a, as in the Ku Klux Klan, as a young person. And then they also screened it for several members of Congress. And, and so this was very influential in its time. It was not only a big commercial success, but it had a lot of notoriety from uh, it, the sort of government reception to it. And a lot of people, as you might expect, the NAACP was very opposed to this movie um, because the movie. So let's, let's talk about what it's about for a second. <laughs> the, they have the Civil War, and it shows before the Civil War, there's people enjoying a very genteel white society. Meanwhile, in their backyard, in these plantation fields, you have all these black people slaving away, working uh, in their fields. And then after the Civil War, they are given, the black people, the slaves, are given the right to vote. And this happened, actually happened in, in South Carolina during Reconstruction, this period where the federal government came in and tried to uh, Im uh, impose uh, racial equality in the South. Um, suddenly, there was a majority vo black voting population, and they voted into office majority black legislature, mm -hmm. and a... Uh, as they should. <laughs> as you would expect, right? And and a uh, black lieutenant governor, uh, the character uh, Silas Lynch is not his name, that's a character's name, but it's based on the actual events. And they, this black legislature, voted to legalize interracial marriage. Mm -hmm. And the uh, white community felt very threatened by this um and so their answer i mean i don't know what else they really expected <laughs> well that's why they fought the war right they wanted to keep maintain the status quo because look if you've been treating people badly for hundreds of years and all of a sudden and and they haven't had any say in government and then suddenly they're able to have a say in government and they have more of a say than you do because there are more of them you're worried that maybe they're going to want to get back at you or something, of right? Of course they are. What else would they want? So, they, uh, the, the people in the South were put out by this, that had been the former slave owners, did not like feeling like a minority or losing control of government. And so, hmm, really? in, in this movie, the hero, Ben, decides that he's going to not... Uh, tolerate this, and he forms this terror organization, the Ku Klux Klan, to go around. Well, he and formed it because his little sister jumped off a cliff after being terrorized and chased after by a, a former slave. Yeah. So, it's again exploitation of human drama to try and um, promote a particular 
point of view. So we saw this in Battleship Potemkin. They were showing all these people dying. You're showing a child, children dying on the steps of Odessa, and it tugs at your heartstrings. You're like, that's wrong. That should not happen. And so then you feel sympathy for the Bolsheviks uh, who have this revolution. In this case, Gus, this former slave, uh, decides he has to have Flora, Ben's little sister, and so pursues her and won't stop pursuing her, and she throws herself off a cliff. Yeah. I so then you think, oh, those poor white people who are being harassed by these lusty former slaves. Well, I didn't think that. I think that was just one bad nut. That's what you, that's, it is a bad nut, right? But the, what they're trying to do is to, to manipulate those feelings to advance their propaganda. Yeah. Which is just, the, 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 it's so problematic. The reason I wish people could see this today is because they have things like the answer to this situation was Ben formed a terror organization to go around and have vigilante justice, so he got all these people to put on white hoods and go find and kill Gus. That is never the way to solve things. <laughs> We're not promoting that. <laughs> and so then they came and arrested his father for being involved with the clan. And so then Phil comes to the rescue by killing uh, a, a cop to get... Uh, Ben's dad out of custody, and then they go on the lam, and when the police come to surround the home where they're hiding out, they resist arrest, and the clan rides to the rescue, like dozens of men in hoods on horseback come in and kill the police. They basically fight the police back, mm -hmm. and then to take the government over, the clan intimidates black people into not voting so they can take control of government government again. And that is the happy ending. It's not a happy The happy ending, ending is that you kill the cop, <laughs> resisted arrest, and engaged in voter intimidation. Like that. And, and so when we look today, 100 years later, and people are killing cops, and they're, we're talking about people being intimidated, not wanting to vote, how important it is to get the vote out, it's because of this history, right? And so people received the reception at the time, and certainly the South was like, that's right. This, the, the, oh, and what, the, it's like this, this um, slaveholder Confederate fantasy. There's a card in the movie that says, like, what happened was that the white people in North and South decided they had a common enemy uh, in the black man and, and oh, came to goodness. defend their Aryan birthright. Defending the Aryan birthright is like the theme of the movie. They didn't. That's not even their birthright. They came and stole the land from the natives. Like, hello? There is no birthright. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. The Ku Klux Klan initially... Americans. Yeah, Who do right? we think we are? Who do we think we are? The, the Ku Klux Klan... Um, was really only active for five years, from like 1965 after the end of the Civil War until 1970, when they sort of intimidated uh, black voters and took over the government. That was another thing this summer. People were saying they're coming back. Well, and that's what happened after this movie. We've gone with, oh yeah, this movie. Didn't you say at the theaters they had people dress up like them? The, is, as part of the merchandising to promote the film, they had people dressed up like Klansmen at the movie theater. And That's so scary. So what happened is the Ku, the Ku Klux Klan came back in 1915. They sort of had a formal relaunching ceremony by burning a cross at Stone Mountain in Georgia, like after this movie came out. And, and so it just and that resulted in years of terror 
Uh, so anyway, yeah, it was. It's a. It's an awful story told well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it had a huge impact on both the art. So much of the way movies are made now, you can see from the close-ups, the fade-outs, all the stuff mm-hmm. going back to things W. D.W. Griffith uh, did in this movie. And it also had a huge cultural impact because of uh, its sort of promoting the the Ku Klux Klan. So it's a a very important film uh, for historical reasons. Yes. But boy, what a message. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I I don't think we can rate this one because of how conflicting it is. Because, like, on the one hand, it's a very good movie, but on the other hand, the message is horrible. <laughs> yeah, I sort of feel like it, like I did, like, Battleship of Tempkin. Like, it's a 10 for craft, and And it's, like, I zero the for the other. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so you know, this was a difficult one to talk about. You don't even like the, uh, a subject. How are, you, how are you feeling about, you know, it, you know after taking some time to, to process and talk about what you saw? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like talking about this stuff. I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah, it's uncomfortable because it was a brutal period where so many people suffered so much, and it's also uncomfortable because it's, it's controversial. Like there's some people who bona fidely believe that it is the Ar- the Aryan yeah. birthright to dominate other races. I think part of the reason <laughs> it's so uncomfortable still is because we still have this problem. I feel like with some things in history, like. Once they haven't been an issue for a while, it's easier to talk about as simply just history. But this is not just history. This is no longer just history. This is happening now. This is the present. And it's horrible. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty bad. Anyways, that's all we've got for you today on this one. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.